Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanov. Our guest today is an actor, teacher, director, podcaster, YouTuber, and musical theater historian. The bell has rung. Students, take your seat. We are about to learn something with today's guest, Emily Clark. Emily, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you, students. Thank you for putting your cell phones away. (laughs) Oh, do you have that issue in class? Uh, You know, I, 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 yeah, everyone does, but I became... Uh, I, I, I teach uh, like musical theater and choir. And so all my students have to like drop their backpacks in the back of the room and then sit on the risers. And if they go through the effort of having their cell phones with them, like they get caught instantly. Yeah. They're so basically think if they put their folder up in front that I can't catch them on their phones, but it's like, you don't usually hold your fold anyway. They're middle schoolers. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you've been there. You've done that. You've, you've, yeah figured that out awesome yeah so before we we get into everything else that uh, that we can talk about i always like to get to know our our guest um so i'd like to know the 32nd bio of emily clark who is emily in 30 oh seconds in 30 seconds huh okay well uh I, I think you captured it pretty pretty well at the beginning i'm i'm very much a multi-hyphenate um, you know, I'm an LA based person. So, uh, I've done a lot of theater out here. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm a YouTuber, um, kind of started doing like kind of musical film, like reviews. And now it's kind of segued to musical theater history. Cause, um, I've always had a passion for that. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I used to act, it's been a minute, but, uh, you know, COVID happened and all projects got put aside. Uh, but yeah, I, I do all the things, a little bit of everything. Renaissance woman, I guess you would say. And that's what you have to be in theater, <laughs> right? You have to be able to do a little bit of everything because, to, to, you know, we just yeah. have to. It's um, true. And I, I'm a re- I love the, the history part. I, I'm really interested in talking to you about some of that stuff. Yeah. But let's take it back. Were you always into musical theater growing up or was that something you discovered a little bit later in life? Oh, I've always been into it. Um, my, my mom is... Um, she was the musician. My dad's the actor. Um, and they met doing playing hero and philia in a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. <laughs> like, um, I don't remember a time in my life when musicals kind of weren't a thing. Uh, I know that's not everyone's and not everyone is that lucky, I guess, but, um, just because I I'm from a family of, um, artists, uh, yeah, musicals were always there. And then my mom is also an educator. So, um, she founded uh, this kind of summer musical theater program that kids in our school district could go to and they didn't have to like pay, you know, it was like a nice public school thing so that kids from anywhere could kind of learn that. And so that's kind of what I grew up doing too. So I wasn't just like being a little actor kid. I was also like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to direct and produce and and teach also. So yeah, that, that was always very ever present. So you almost had no choice to get into musical theater and education. It's kind of like in your DNA almost. It's it's really like the family business. Um, you know, my brother plays Gerald the puppet on my on my on my web series Stealing Focus, and Gerald um, is something that we used in real life because it, it really is a family business. We all work kind of teaching kids, but also like doing theater too. So Gerald was just something we always used when like directing summer shows and. 
now he's now he's <laughs> like the mascot of my channel. So, <laughs> so so you you went to you went to to post secondary for for what did you go for? Did was it theater or was it a combination of stuff? Yeah, I um let's see. So I went to the LA County High School for the Arts, and I was a little music music dance double major and then in high school I went to UC Santa Cruz and high school was kind of when I was like I mean sorry not high school college sorry college I went to UC Santa Cruz and college was where I uh really started being like what am I doing with my life I've done theater my whole life um what am I doing with my life so um I actually majored in history but I minored in theater and just did theater the whole time I was there basically so um I already have like my history BA and then uh, you know after that I I went back to like LA I lived in New York for a while and I kind of just produced shows a lot and and acted a lot and um and uh, now I'm I'm going back to grad school so I can get my master's and so huge huge gap in between when I graduated undergrad and now going to college now it's it's weird <laughs> It's weird, but it's cool. It's cool. I'm always curious when, when you do a double major theater and history theater. Yes, I get it. But what type of history? What was the what was the the history? For my undergrad, I was I was really it, there wasn't really like a focus, I think, okay. for the undergrad. But but I really was doing like European history. I was very much an Anglophile. I loved English history a lot. Um, and that was kind of my big thing at the time. And now, now it's, um, you know, musical theater history, which was kind of always my hobby. Anyway, it was kind of, I was always that kid. It was like, actually this show came out in this time and blah, 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 blah. Um, and now, now it's like, well, why couldn't I just put that hobby to good use now that I'm <laughs> pushing 40? <laughs> so, but you know what, the best, you know, directors or writers or, or actors or whomever are able to diversify just like you have. And, and if you just go in for theater, you only know theater, but you went in for theater and history. And that brings a whole different mindset and a whole different group of people that you hang out with and, and learn from. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing worse than actors who just won't stop talking about acting. You know, it's just I mean, that's nice. I love to do it. But yeah. like then you just feel like you're in um, like a waiting room for casting or something <laughs> and i i think being well-rounded is always a good thing having interests outside of um theater because often you'll find that they intersect in some way oh for sure for sure i've met so many people who you know they take what they've done not in theater and they've been able to use it and and because it teaches you completely different skill sets mm -hmm. than theater for sure so so you you went into teaching you teach you said middle schoolers <laughs> yeah, it's it's my my day job basically is uh teaching <laughs> teaching middle schoolers. I teach, well, I really teach all grade levels. Um okay. but uh I'm like kind of the perform one of the big performing arts teachers in my public school district. You know, I float around at a few schools, mm -hmm. but yeah, I uh, I steadily teach um middle schoolers musical theater. We have like a spring show every year and all that stuff. Um a nice junior production. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I work at the local high school as well. So it, it's it's fun. It's it's um kind of like the best, the best day job. I and I know plenty of people who are like, I don't know how you can work with middle schoolers. And believe me, right now, this is the first time in me over <laughs> doing this for like 12 or 13 years, coming yeah. back from COVID, where there are some kids who are just middle school, you're already insane. But like yeah. there's a lot of kids who are just wah, crazy right now. Um 
but I love it. I love teaching middle schoolers. That's the time when you really see them latch on to things like drama and musical theater and like building those interests and kind of seeing that, that seeing them head down that path. Like, oh, you're going to be one of those kids. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Well, first of all, I just have to say thank you. You know, <laughs> teaching is an unenviable, um, not you know, appreciated um, <laughs> job. My, my, my lady friend, she taught science and math for like 16, 17 years, whatever it was. So I know what you go through, not quite the same as the <laughs> science kid and the theater kid, but dealing, dealing with, with them, you know, the stuff you just have to go through. So yeah. thank you. Hey, thanks <laughs> for doing that. So what's it like? Um, what is the history knowledge of students of that age when it comes to musical theater? I know we all know that a musical theater started in 1980 with cats. Oh yeah. Um, but <laughs> you know, there's a legend um, I hear that there was more shows in the before times. Yeah, there were a couple. Um, okay. they, you know, unless they're a real middle schoolers, unless they're really hardcore yeah. little theater kids, a lot of times they don't know very much. Um, it's, it's up to me to kind of do that. And I, I lean into it because there are kids who want to learn more and there are kids who are really getting into musical theater or who are, who were with me as seventh graders and didn't know so much. And now that they're eighth graders, they're like, Miss Emily, I'm going to watch Annie live. You know, um, I had to, I had to tell them, I had to tell them today, you know, about Sondheim dying and, and I, but you know, made it a point and I was like you guys you know I know you know some of his shows and I've talked to you guys about him before and it's really important this is an important kind of time right now and you're musical theater performers so you need to kind of remember this so yeah <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting because they're gonna have the same reaction to Lin-Manuel that we <laughs> have to Sondheim in, in definitely whatever number of years hopefully many <laughs> oh yeah they they all love like Hamilton they okay. love everything he does no, that's very cool. Cause yeah, I, I, I'm always curious about, um, you know, what they know of the history uh, of musical yeah. theater, but well, it's good on you for teaching them because, because, you know, you, you yeah. gotta know your stuff. So, um, I love your, your YouTube channels, um, just all the variety stuff, especially the history ones and the, the various topics. How do you choose your topics? Because, you know, you have the Pulitzer Prize episode and the Golden Age, uh, and these have shows and people everybody knows, but I truly love the, the Blacklist one. Um, oh. because, because it brings, it talks about people that is the next level down, up or down, I don't know sure. which way, where people don't quite know it. And I love, you know, hearing about that stuff. So how do you choose your topics? Um, well, let's see. So when I first got the idea to do like actual history lessons, I was working at um, like a local arts high school and they just like were like, you want to teach musical theater history too? And in addition to like a voice and rep class, I was like, yeah, sure. And so I kind of created this little, I don't know, like rubric for myself or curriculum. Um, and then I thought it'd be fun to kind of break some of these up into videos. So so they're very like simple. The first ones like the gold, like um, the golden age of Broadway or the origins of Broadway or yeah, the Pulitzer Prize videos. Um, it's all about kind of just getting like the overall historical information like that you would be teaching to like middle schoolers and high schoolers maybe. Um, and I've shown them to my middle schoolers and they get a kick out of it. Um, as for the blacklist and on um, the blacklist, I did specifically for a grad school project and I probably wouldn't have done it if I didn't have grad school kind of forcing me and same with the 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 60s evolution of 60s musicals yes. video um I wouldn't have 
they take a lot more time because um, I'm actually like pulling a bunch of research and, you know, not just relying on like some books that giving the timeline and stuff that I know, like actually pulling quotes and doing a lot of work. Um, and it, you know, the blacklist one happened cause I was taking, oh, us during the cold war, which I took because I was like, that's perfect. That's when the golden age is. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of bleed over. And so there, the professor was like, kind of really open with the final project. She said, you guys can pick a subject and you can do a paper or you could do some other kind of like, you know, public history type thing. And I said, Hey, she already kind of knew me as kind of the theater girl in the history department. So I I said, could I do a video? And can I talk about, you know, we talk about Hollywood and the blacklist all the time because it was really big out here, but you don't really talk about Broadway and the blacklist. And I kind of was like, was there a Broadway blacklist? And like there was, and there wasn't. So I thought that would be a really cool um, video to do. And luckily there's, I could only find one historian or one person who's actually written a book specifically about it. Everything else I kind of pulled from, from other things, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so going to grad school has, it's helpful because it's giving me the resources I need to be a better historian and, um, do better research and make better videos, but also because they're so much more in depth, they take so much longer. Also grad school just like takes a lot of my time. It's like, yeah. I can't edit right now. I have to write a paper on something else right now. So, <laughs> so it's become a little bit like few and far between. Um, but, but I like that phase that I'm moving into and like, like bringing up Sondheim again, I always kind of thought, I always knew I would do a video on him, but I knew it would take a very long time because he's my favorite and I would want to do a huge, huge thing. And I probably will now, but yeah, yeah that's why I haven't done one yet. People <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a long time. <laughs> Stop pressuring her people, all you listeners, you know, let her get to grad school. There were comments on like my tick tick boom video right away. I was like, you guys, he just like it happened yesterday. Um, (laughs) So, but yeah, watching the blacklist one, yeah, I everybody knows about the Hollywood. I didn't know about the Broadway side of that and Mm -hmm. and bringing up those names and 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 the way they went about it. Um, You know, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about it because it is very fascinating uh, because everybody, like you said, knows about the Hollywood side, but how, how they rebelled <laughs> against yeah. being talked about. Well, you know, <clears throat> Hollywood, Hollywood and, and the Broadway communities were just very different at the time, especially in how the major unions responded to the whole blacklisting thing um, in LA and in Hollywood SAG and every, they were kind of like, eh, mm-hmm. yeah, just don't be a communist. Whereas, you know, um, uh, equity, like in New York or any theater really, but it was mainly based in New York at the time. They were kind of like, what are you going to do to us? <laughs> like literally, what are you going to do to us? Yeah. And also there was a, a precedent set by these, um, you know, there was a little theater movement going across the country in kind of the early 1900s. Um, you know, Pasadena Playhouse in my hometown is, you know, emblematic of that, but it happened in New York too. And these little theater companies got together and it's all these people like, Meisner and all these people, you know, Brecht, like all these people, you know, aren't going to get pushed around really all kind of creating these little communities of actors. And, um, a lot of them were just kind of doing, they were doing serious theater. And also this is a pre commercial Broadway or, and we're mostly talking about plays here. Musicals were kind of the mainstream, but, um, 
they just didn't have any, they, there was nothing to scare them. Like they were like, I'm still going to get work yeah. if I was a member of the communist party. And so a lot of them treated it like a farce. And when they went in to like answer all the questions, they just like trolled them and, you know, answered crazy, gave re crazy responses. And, you know, it was great. Like they just didn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, it's so very cool to hear that when, when I was listening to the video, just, you know, yeah. you know, they didn't give two shits, right? What are you going to do to us? No. And it was really fun because like, there's not really any video or audio footage, at least not that I could find. Um, maybe there is somewhere, but um so it was really fun to kind of reenact yes. <laughs> along with Gerald, like seeing little Gerald be um, Pete Seeger with his little guitar is very cute. So, <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's too funny. <laughs> so um, let's talk about Gerald, you know, <laughs> your, your co-host for your videos. Um, yeah. How did the two of you meet? Um, <laughs> what's the backstory? Well, yeah. So my brother, um, let's see. God, it had to be like 10 years ago at this point. Um, he was dating a, a puppeteer girl <laughs> and she got a puppet from this uh, puppet maker named John Little. And Cody got one at the time too. <laughs> and then Gerald became that puppet. And then we just recommissioned a new one. He got a new Gerald. So it's like oh, Gerald wow. 2.0. Um, so he is my my brother's roommate. Um, but but Gerald's obviously a bit younger than me. So he's he's who I go to, to teach musical theater lessons. Sometimes, um, sometimes he comes with us to shows. Like when we went to the Pasadena playhouse, little shop of horrors, he came with us. There's this usher lady who became obsessed with him. It was so fun. Um, <laughs> cause, Oh, we did that because one of our friends was a puppeteer in the show. So we got to go backstage. So he, so symmetry <laughs> branding symmetry. Yeah. But Gerald's great. He, um, and he also, um, my brother does the Renaissance fair, um, which is finally coming back after two years. Um, and, and Gerald sometimes shows up at the Renaissance fair. He's just very popular with kids. It's, it's really great because it's that Avenue Q thing where he's always just holding him and you see him and everyone just accepts it. You know, kids will just talk right to Gerald. It's great. That is hilarious. <laughs> Did you think about having Gerald as a co-host right from the beginning or is that something that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I could just teach you like that could be the thing because yeah. he could be my foil and then I could just, yeah, give you little lessons or you can review stuff with us. I think that was originally like he was supposed to be our roommate and he would be like, I just saw this movie or I just saw Newsies. Is Newsies good? And then, you know, we'd go into a, a big review of it or something. <laughs> I'd love to go back to, to your, you're going to uh school for grad school correct and, and what are yeah. you what are you getting a something in <laughs> i'm not even sure what you get <laughs> yeah so um it's it's so funny because like i spent years going there has to be somewhere where there's a musical theater history major or masters and i looked and i couldn't find i think the only one i know of is like in new york and like i'm not gonna i live out here yeah. so it became a thing and this was just coincidentally right before like the pandemic hit i got accepted i just kind of more i researched i was like wait a second history anyone can major in any field of history you can be you could be the most niche of historians yeah. and you're you're still a historian so um so i was like why don't i just apply to like a school and then you know a school that maybe has like a musical theater or a good theater department 
that I can hopefully tap into from my skill set. And so I, I, I chose Cal State Fullerton, which is the only Cal State that has a BFA program in musical theater. And, um, and it has just a good history program. And so I, I pitched myself as such. I said, Hey, I want to do, I want to do musical theater history. And they took me. So, so that's kind of, um, you know, with grad school classes, a lot of times, sometimes there's like a subject, but then sometimes it's like, it's American history, pick a thing in American history you want to talk about. And that's how I ended up with the evolution of sixties musicals. I just was like, I want to talk about an era of Broadway history. And then there's plenty of primary sources. So like it, it worked out great. So, um, I, I, so we're going to see how far I can go with this masters with that. And then we'll see how burnt out I am. Yeah. And then we'll see where I can go from there. Um, how, how, how did, how do the people marking it like decide, like, I've, I've never understood that with the masters or whatever, because the people who are granting you the master's degree, I'm not even sure how it works. Um, can't know everything about everything. So when you come to them with 60s, you know, musical theater, how, how does that work? Well, um, I think it, 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 so for, again, using the 60s musical as an example, mm. it was more about teaching the students how to do a research paper. Okay. So if, if we were doing our jobs right and pulling the right resources and whatnot, uh, and, you know, you work with partners and you read each other's stuff and you ask questions and they give you questions that you hadn't thought of. Because there was stuff that to my musical theater entrenched brain uh, are, are standard and commonplace. And I'd work with a partner and they'd go, what does this mean? Maybe you should expand on that a little bit. And I'm like, I absolutely should expand on that. Not everyone just knows what vaudeville is you know yeah. so uh, <laughs> so so that was very very helpful it, it puts the onus on you to be the historian and be the prove your point you have a research question and then you yeah. you prove it so mine was like how did 60s musicals set the stage for what came after mm -hmm. um so yeah uh and then there's some fun nuances like i'm taking a class on jazz cultural history right now, which I kind of didn't intend. I just kind of signed up for U.S. Culture, cu cultural history. And I was like, well, whatever it is, it's going to be something I can use. And it's actually working out great because there's so much cross-pollination between jazz and musical theater. The two quintessential American art forms in the early 20th century. And I just asked my professor, can I write about how they kind of intersect in, in, you know, like in the tens and twenties when they were both becoming big. Mm -hmm. And he was like, that's great. Cause all, and also like jazz musicians back then, they would all cover Tin Pan Alley songs and yeah. jazz, jazz art uh, <clears throat> composers wrote Broadway musicals. So, yeah. so there's things like that, that I didn't even think of that are just filling, filling these gaps in my information. Um, because like, you know, I read every Sondheim biography there's ever was. I already know pretty much a lot, everything there is to know about him, but right. like, uh, or Rogers and Hammerstein, I'm obsessed with them. Like, I know a lot about their history, but having these little other pieces to fill in helps out a lot. Um, and we'll make it so that I can um, hopefully, <laughs> I don't know, make it so that I, 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 I can actually write about <laughs> or, or do videos on these figures. So, yeah. yeah. 
that would be I, you know what i'd love to see something like that you know to, mm. like like you said you've you've read everything on sondheim and, and <laughs> rogers and hammerstein for example and a lot of people have but it's it's that secondary like you said fills in the blanks that mm-hmm. that influenced these other big big names that that i'm me i'm always curious about that stuff i love that that the rare stuff yeah learning yeah, like in the 60s video, I talked about Broadway auteurs and like mm-hmm. I already knew I already really knew a lot about Hal Prince and Bob Fosse and um, <clears throat> Jerome Robbins. But I didn't know that much about Gower Champion. Yeah. But and the more I researched, I was like, wait a second, I have to talk about Gower Champion because he 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 was one. He was an auteur. He and then you can see these parallels between Gower and Bob Fosse. And so just little things like that um, forcing me to learn a little bit more about a figure I didn't know about was incredibly helpful. So. Yeah. It's unfortunate the number of people who for lack of a better term fall through the cracks, Mm. right? They, they're not the AAA listers. They're still a listers, but Mm -hmm. they're not the ones that you you remember always. Um, And same, same with shows and and, and people and things like that and artists. So once you've got your, your, um, you know, got through graduate school. What do you plan to do with it? it? I know, I know when you're going for auditions, it's very important on the resume. Yeah. Um, Cause that's the first thing they look for. Well, <laughs> um, I, but, I don't even you really like teaching at a college or. or yeah. Like that? Uh, yeah. I don't even really know. Like um, right now, my biggest platform is, is YouTube. Um, and so if that can help my channel grow, that's good. But yeah, I mean, I would love to I love teaching about musical theater history. I would love to be able to, you know, teach a class at a university or, um, or, or at any grade level, honestly, like doing it at an arts high school or something would be great. Um, I think it's something that musical theater performers aren't offered very often. So, I mean, you obviously learn about some musical theater history when you, when you're a musical theater, like, um, student at Michigan or something, but, um, rarely is there like, here's, here's an entire history of the art form you're dedicating your life to. And you have to do that with theater. I had to take history of theater classes and I learned about all different kinds of theater from across the world. And it helps you gain a further understanding. And I know some musical theater programs do it, but I think more need to do it um, because you're, you're right. There are frankly too many kids who just are like, oh yeah, the eighties, that's when musical starts. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it goes back to that diversification thing. If mm-hmm. the, you are a better performer, writer, X, Y, Z, or whatever, one, you know more. And, yeah. So, yeah, I love that in my my school. I went to Sheridan College for a musical theater performance. And yeah, we got that stuff. And it makes such a difference mm-hmm. uh, when, you, when you know your past. Yeah. So uh, tell us, uh, do you have anything going on right now outside of, you know, the teaching and the graduate school and stuff like that? Like, how do we people find out about uh, YouTube, your YouTube channel? And yeah. do you have any podcasts and things like that? Oh, sure. Oh, I got so much stuff. Uh, yeah. So my channel is called Stealing Focus. Um, and let's see, I feel like this month it's we're entering December. December, I feel like is going to be a lot of real thoughts vlogs because there's so many things coming like Annie live is in a couple days. I can't not do that. Um, <laughs> um, and then like West Side Story is coming out, which again, ties into this whole history thing. And I know that musical inside and out, I can't wait to kind of compare it with this new iteration. So I feel like there's gonna be a lot of like off the cuff videos um, while I probably spend my winter break 
not resting and picking some new video to make, but yeah, stealing focus on YouTube. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've done some podcasts. My big one is the dear friends podcast. And I do that with my two musical theater, YouTuber buddies, uh, Jess McAnally of musicals with cheese and Christy Esterly of musical hell. And, um, it's really fun. It's a write in advice podcast for the musical minded. So you write in, um, we give you a, we answer your question, we give you advice, and then we each pick a, a song, usually a musical theater song that ties into the question. And then we put it all on like a Spotify playlist. So then you have like a playlist for your problems. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but those, those are the, those are the big ones right now. It's, it's like, we're creeping into December, just trying to get like students winter show done <laughs> and like write this last paper for grad school before break. So, um, but yeah, I think there'll be some like kind of fun, kind of like bitchy review videos coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for Annie live. Uh, my husband and I did Annie of 2018 and I was Miss Hannigan and he played rooster oh. and that was so much fun. So much I, fun. I played daddy Warbucks at some point. So yeah. But well, yeah. Everybody. Well, not that. Yeah. Not yeah, that, yeah. at that point. It was mm -hmm. true too. Yes. Mm. It's radio. They can't see my baldness. They can't, they you can't, they don't know nothing. <laughs> I have a full Fabio head of hair. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for coming on and, and, and talking to us because I love, like I said, I love learning about the history and I'm going to definitely keep up with the channel and, and thank you. watching those things because there's so much fun. I may not watch any of the uh, review things because I haven't seen any of them. So I don't watch, yeah, watch the movies first and then do that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like you have those Schmigadoon things. I don't have Apple. Mm. So until I don't know when, if I yeah. ever see it. Well, we did a, we did a tick, tick, boom video. And that's like, I mean, come on. I remember I saw that in the theater and, um, as soon as it was over, I was like, well, that's going to be a long video. Cause I have to point out every single reference and explain everything <laughs> happily, happily theater kid paradise. <laughs> I'll get to that at some point. There's just so many things to watch. There's so many things. People ask me all the time. I, I haven't seen so many other musical movie musicals that have come out this year there's been a lot yeah i know and then they get mad at you like why haven't you seen it yet why haven't you done a review yeah. on it yet? i'm like i have a job <laughs> exactly and sometimes i feel too old sometimes i'm like you know i'm glad this exists for you but like i'm i'm too old for the prom like it's fine yeah um <laughs> Um, again, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. Of course. Um, people are going to definitely check out the YouTube channel. But before we go, I always ask three questions of my guests. Ooh. Now, there's no right or wrong answers, but people may judge you. <laughs> so, oh, bring it on, baby. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You, you should be okay. I, I haven't okay. had anybody collapse under the pressure yet. Okay. So, so we're all good. Okay. So question number one. This is the lob ball, the toss up. What creator or team within musical theater has had a great influence on you? No, it could be a composer, lyricist, director, producer, actor, even a stage manager. It could be somebody famous or not famous, like a teacher. Is there anybody in musical theater who's had an influence on you? Um, I can think of 
I can think of a couple. Um, Stephen Sondheim is my biggest. Um, and I don't, and that's not hyperbolic. Uh, the day he died, I had people I haven't talked to since college who just were like, I thought of you or like, Hey, I, I, are you okay? Cause I was always the Sondheim girl. I was that I was, and, and when you're young, you're always very aggressive about that kind of thing. So, yeah. So I was very much, but, but he really kind of, he was my hero. Um, he influenced kind of my taste in musical theater. I've been wanting to be middle-aged since I was in high school so I could play all the best Sondheim roles. So, um, so definitely Steven Sondheim. Um, the other one would, uh, be my mom for sure, because she, um, you know, she never pressured me into being a theater kid, thank God, because that happens a lot out here in um, L.A. Yeah. Uh, but but she instilled this kind of love for musical theater and um, and for the classics of musical theater. Uh, so giving me a foundation that I think not a lot of kids get. Um, I was always quick to defend Oklahoma and the Music Man, and I always will because I love them. Yeah. Uh, but but um, I love she instilled that musical theater history that like. Yeah, you couldn't do rent today, but like it's important to know why rent was important then and why it might resonate with people now. Yeah. So things like that. So yeah, my mom and Sondheim. <laughs> Sondheim's in good company there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so correct answer on both. One point for Sondheim and an extra point for your mom. <laughs> yes. Two points in this, yes. this question. I'm already winning, aren't you? Good. <laughs> All right. Question number two. Now, Gerald, right? <laughs> What's he like away from the camera? He seems cool on camera. Is, is he just as cool and fun off camera? He's just as cool and fun. He's very cute. He's very funny. Um, he, <laughs> I will say for the record, folks, like my brother never like kind of gets inappropriate with Gerald. Yeah. Like he never makes Gerald like say bad words or like drink booze or anything like that. Like he's very committed to, <laughs> to the fact that Gerald is like a 10 or 11 year old. Yeah. So um, Gerald is, is very sweet and he's, he's very fun. Um, and he, he's, he's popular with the kiddos. Nice. And, and side question, is your brother as sweet as Gerald or is, uh, come on, give, give the dirt. He might not be listening. So no, my brother's great. I mean, okay. we're, very, we're like 18 months apart in age. Oh, okay. We might as well be twins. He's like one of my best friends. So I'm not going to talk bad about my brother, folks. <laughs> oh, I tried, tried to get the dirt on this channel. I know, but, I know. Oh, well, correct answer. <laughs> so okay. another point. So this is the one people may judge you on. This is important. Okay. Mm-hmm. food in the theater or cell phones in the theater which is worse um well i feel like i have to deal with people with cell phones more than i've ever had to deal with people with food um unless it's like i don't know i'm a fan of like how the west end will let you like take all your food and drinks into the theater because honestly i'm like i want to be if I wasn't drinking huge amounts of beer during Bad Out of Hell, I would not have been having a good time. That was a dumb show. Um, but cell phones drive me the most crazy because they drive me crazy as an audience member because you see the light in your peripheral vision and then it becomes about that light in your peripheral vision. And then the thing I always tell my students and I always say, you are not, I don't care what any of the other kids are doing in the audience. You're not going to take your cell phones out yeah. uh, because it's devastating as an actor on a stage, especially if you're doing like a black box show or something small. And 
And then all of a sudden you see the glow of an iPhone light illuminated on like the face of an audience member. And then it's like, okay, well, they're bored. And then it becomes like, and then you're distracted by that. It's, I, I, yes, I think cell phones make me more angry just because they're so distracting to everyone. (laughs) True. I I would have accepted also both are terrible. So one point for that and a bonus one point for telling the students never to take it out. You are building the future. <laughs> so five points. I tell them, I'm like, they, people on stage know, they know what you're doing. Like exactly. they see you, they're judging you. And that's all they care about. So. so five out of three points. I think that might be literally the highest score we've ever had. Woo! Five out of three. No prizes. I got nothing. Um, but uh, Bragging rights. Exactly. You can just go on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I got that. <laughs> people know what you're talking about (laughs) and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today of course it was a lot of fun awesome all right we were just speaking with emily clark who does everything a little bit of youtube a little bit of podcasting a lot of teaching and going for her graduate degree so tune in next week as we speak with another guest or guest about their life love and passion that is musical theater i am your host sean paul yovanoff and until next time I'll see you when I see you. We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world. And we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community.